0: Before the game is done, yeah. boom shaka lucka, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters around the world, it's Chris Shule, your chocolate Nubian soul brother, the esoteric, noetic, the disseminator of wisdomatic truth bongs, the big <laughs> truth bongs, <laughs> the uh, the uh, intellectual soul brother, the artist. I like, I like the title artist, I'll go with that. I feel like an artist is uh, someone that is able to inspire people to uh tap into the muse and allow the truth to flow through them. I'm going to go with that title. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to drop a podcast talking about just a few of the issues that I've been seeing on my Twitter sphere as of late in regards to libertarianism in regards to anarchy, anarchism. I've realized a lot of people define these things differently and I kind of wanted to just outline the the philosophy behind these things at least in the way in which I define them. I've realized that a lot of people Go by different definitions of things. This is something that happens within Bitcoin. People define Bitcoin differently. It's done through this democratic system. People agree that a philosophy can change through consensus. That's something that I reject. My idea is that the original definition is the definition that people should go by. That the definition should be set in stone. (laughs) The philosophy of libertarianism originally obviously had a meaning, and that's the meaning that I am going by when I speak about these things. The same goes with anarchism. So I wanted to drop into this topic, speak about not only freedom, cryptocurrencies, and uh, see if I can invite you guys to uh, to look at this thing, at least through the perspective that I do. Now, um, I wanted to start this podcast by playing a video by Ayn Rand speaking about government, the state, which I think would be a really good way to open this uh, this conversation. do this thing.
1: Ah, Yes, but you say everybody is enslaved to everybody, yet this came about democratically. I, and the free people in a free country, voted for this kind of government, wanted this kind of legislation. Do you object to the democratic process? I object to the idea that people have the right to vote on everything. The traditional American system was a system based on the idea that majority will prevail only in public or political affairs.
0: That is a very salient point. The majority only prevails in public, in the public sphere. People think that the public and the private sphere somehow always merge into one, but there is a clear distinction. Ayn Rand outlines this. And people think of democracy as this beautiful thing. It's beautiful when people are voting on things that don't violate individual rights. But what happens when 51% of people vote that, hey, all black people should be slaves. They should be slaves to all white people. Does that seem like a fair thing to do? Well, that would happen. That would never happen. You're being irrational. That's just ridiculous. Well, that's what can happen in a democratic system that disregards individual rights.
1: And that it was limited by inalienable individual rights. Oh. Therefore, I do not believe that a majority can vote a man's life or property or freedom away from him. And therefore, I do not believe that if a majority votes on any issue, that this makes the issue right. It doesn't. All right. Then how do you Exactly,
0: we exactly. I just, want to, um, I just want to veer off from that and just explain the idea of rights to people. People have this idea that rights can be additive. So you can have someone like myself that has obviously rights, these inalienable rights, and then we can somehow elect a group of people to have more rights than me. You can't have a group of people having more rights than me. Rights are inalienable. The whole idea from a libertarian standpoint, and I know a lot of people struggle with this because it doesn't seem to make sense for, uh, for them, but rights are something that are established through self-ownership. What, first and foremost... They are not made up. People are constantly adding all of these different rights, like the right to security, the right to health care. These are what you call positive rights. Individual rights are rights that are established through the whole idea of self-ownership. This is the basis for libertarian philosophy. I realize a lot of people arrive at their understanding of libertarianism through economics, and they start to—I'm not sure if they understand the basic principles— they, they seem to look at liberty along the lines of what's going to lead to the most amount of prosperity and freedom. The whole philosophy of libertarianism is based off of the idea of moral philosophy, of the universality of right and wrong. It's based off of individual rights. The whole concept of of rights comes from this idea that you own yourself. You have a right to your life, your liberty, and your property. And you don't have the right to violate the rights of other people. And you can have Rights provided they are not violating on other people, other people's rights. As soon as you add rights along the lines of health care, that, that you are entitled to someone else's labor, that you are entitled to go see a doctor and have him spend his time to help you, what you call positive rights, that kind of thinking, that doesn't work. It's not consistent. So just something else that I wanted to uh, elaborate on.
1: At action. How should we arrive at action? By voluntary consent, voluntary cooperation of free men, unforced. And how do our leaders arrive? How do we arrive at our leadership? Who elects? Who appoints? Uh, The whole people elects. Uh, There is nothing wrong with the democratic process in politics. Uh, We arrive at it the way we arrived by the American Constitution as it used to be, by the constitutional process as we had it. Uh, people elect officials, but the powers of those officials, the powers of government are strictly limited. They will have no right to initiate force or compulsion against any citizen.
0: Absolutely. Ayn Rand knows her stuff. The only role of government is to defend the individual rights of its people. And when people are speaking about the Constitution, they, they talk about all these amendments about how the, the government can democratically make amendments to the constitution the amendments that are made this is philosophically speaking are not supposed to violate individual rights you can make amendments provided they are in line with the whole idea of Lockean property rights the constitution was developed through Lockean philosophy this idea of natural law natural rights which is something that I've realized a lot of libertarians do not understand as I was saying a lot of libertarians have arrived at their understanding of libertarianism through uh, the philosophy of what I would call um, economic thinking, this idea of trying to take actions that will lead to the most amount of good, or the idea of <sighs> speculation, prob- trying to uh, take actions that will lead to certain results, as opposed to the idea of principled anarchic thinking. The idea that it is inherently right or wrong to do something. And these are very, very different schools of thoughts. I know I'm going on a tangent here, but one of the things I think about is this story, this Eastern story I heard in regards to how a wise person conducts himself. Now, there's this story of a farmer that had a horse, and the horse ran away. Now, all the villagers said, that's absolutely horrible that the horse ran away. And the farmer was saying... Maybe. I don't know. The villagers are like, what are you talking about? You don't have a horse anymore. What are you going to do? Now, later on, the horse came back with a bunch of other horses. And all the villagers said, hey, this is absolutely amazing. Now you have more horses. And the farmer said, maybe. I don't know. And then later on, (laughs) that same day, the farmer's son tried to ride one of the horses, tried to break one of these wild horses and ended up... uh, falling down and breaking his arm. And the villagers once again said, that's absolutely horrible. Oh, no. And the farmer said, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. And then later on, a bunch of government agents came to that farmer's house and said, look, uh, we, need to, we need to speak to your son because we're trying to recruit him for a war that's going on. And they found, of course, that the son was injured. Therefore, they could not recruit him, conscript, conscript him to, to war. And once again, the villagers said, oh, that's fantastic. Your son doesn't have to go out and find the war. And once again, the farmers said, maybe. Now, this is a beautiful story because it maps out the idea that we don't know definitively what's going to happen in the future. The philosophy of liberty is a philosophy of humility. It's a philosophy that bases its, its certitudes on principles, that which comes first, not on what is going to happen. I find a lot of people making arguments, utilitarian arguments, into why actions should be done, moral principles should be followed based off of whether or not they're going to lead to the most amount of good. That is absolutely diametrically opposed to the philosophy of liberty. Now granted, there are certain things that you can take that are going to be economically beneficial, but fundamentally, we don't do things because they violate the rights of others. That's the fundamental idea behind libertarianism. And when we're speaking about the Constitution, whether we're speaking about natural rights, natural justice, whether we're speaking about the non-aggression principle, this is the fundamental idea that you do not have a right to violate the natural rights of individuals. This is what Ayn Rand is speaking about. And most people that have actually read literature dealing with moral philosophy, dealing with libertarian moral philosophy, understand this. But you have a lot of people that look at libertarianism within a spectrum within a spectrum of what is going to lead to the most amount of good, within a spectrum of trying to approximate freedom within a society as opposed to an objective system of right and wrong. A moral philosophy that is based off of the universality of right and wrong, established through self-ownership.
1: Except a criminal. Uh, those who have initiated force will be punished by force, and that is the only proper function of government. What we would not permit is the government to initiate force against people who have hurt no one, who have not forced anyone. We would not give the government or the majority or any minority the right to take the life or the property of others. That was the original American system.
0: Absolutely. And that is, in short, the concept of libertarianism. Now, a lot of people say that, yes, they're for libertarianism, but they're against the concept of Anarchism. Now I understand that anarchism is one of these words that has very different definitions. I mean, I I misunderstood it when people would initially say anarchism to me or call me an anarchist. I would get frustrated. I thought it dealt with some person that was an antichrist. <laughs> appropriate, appropriate point there with the uh, the picture of Jesus or is that a? Oh no, I guess that's a just some random person on a cross. But yeah, the bottom line is. I would associate that with something negative. When essentially, when I'm speaking about anarchism, I want to make this very clear because definitions are so important. all comes down to definitions. When I'm speaking about anarchism, I'm speaking about anarcho-capitalism, which is taking the same idea of individual rights, the same idea of natural law, the same idea of the non-aggression principle, which is basically saying you do not have the right to initiate force of fraud, and applying that to this system. Anarchy essentially comes from two words. An, which means without and archon, which means rulers. It essentially means without rulers. The only distinction, in fact, there is no distinction between anarchist philosophy, anarcho-capitalist philosophy, and libertarian philosophy, if you define it through natural law. The the only real distinction is that whereas libertarians can set up a, a system of the state voluntarily, now, granted, in the United States, uh, the, the Founding Fathers had limited government. They uh, essentially, before 1913, um, they didn't have any income tax as such. I think they, they had um, foreigners that would have to pay some kind of land tax. But essentially, it was a very anarchic system of justice. And over time, through this uh, democratic process, through the ossification of government, we've had more and more taxes, kind of the point where it's not truly a... A a situation that's based off of the non-aggression principle or based off of natural law where people are able to go about their lives without being forced to pay tax through uh, coercive violence. Now, where was I going here? When we're talking about anarchy, we're simply talking about a situation where, once again, natural law is in place, but people don't have any rulers, in regards to libertarianism, there's nothing wrong with having a government, and this is the main main key here, provided it is voluntary. If you create a system through private property ownership, if a group of individuals decide to form their own private property borders and create a government, they have the right to do as they want. Now, granted, you can have a system that is voluntary where people pay tax, or you can have a system that is is still voluntary and people have uh, decided... Not to pay tax. It all comes down to the setup, and this is the this is where people seem to have the confusion. Ultimately, you can create multiple systems. You can create a commune where people work within this communistic system, but fundamentally, the basis of whether it's libertarianism, whether it is a knock of capitalism, whether it is voluntarism—that is the term that I use because I think it clearly maps out what we're talking about here. We're talking about a system where people respect individual rights. And the problem I find is people look at this as an approximation. It's not a case... Libertarianism, the fundamental idea, once again, which is derived from Locke and property rights, is not about being realistic. It's not about choosing whether or not you want to apply the the rules of non-aggression. It's about always respecting this. It's a principle. It's that which comes first. It's always wrong to initiate violence. It's always wrong to steal. It's always wrong to take something which is not yours. It is always wrong to assault. It is always wrong to rape. And as soon as you start making these, these justifications that it's going to lead to the most amount of good because of X and Y that is strictly unlibertarian. Now I realize as I'm saying this a lot of people are going to have a lot of issues with this, but this is the definition that I'm working from. This is the definition that most people are working from when they speak about libertarianism. Adam Kakesh I think is a is the the prototype. I think it's it's well worth checking out his material because I, he's one of the few people I find that speaks publicly about this and is logically consistent when he applies this system of ethics. A lot of people still want to use the, non- the non-aggression principle, natural law, as, a, as, a, as an ancillary way of looking at libertarianism. It's like, oh, let's apply it here, let's not apply it there. Fundamentally, it's something that is the, the basis of libertarian philosophy, this idea of individual rights. And as the Founding Fathers alluded to, People have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And of course, you can obfuscate these concepts and you can redefine them and say that it's not realistic. But fundamentally, when I'm speaking about liberty, that's what I'm speaking about. It doesn't matter whether or not you want to call yourself a libertarian or an anarcho-capitalist. It doesn't matter if you want to call yourself a a Bible-bashing, Jehovah-witnessing feminist. But that is what I'm speaking about. Natural rights. And I know a lot of people don't accept the idea of self-ownership, believe in this morally relativistic universe, that there is no definitive right and wrong. But that is the philosophy that I'm talking about. That is the philosophy of libertarianism. Now, just a few other things I wanted to cover before I, I, I let this thing go. Um, these are some of the comments that I encountered as I was discussing this um, recently, this topic. Eh, 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 eh. Just going to address some of the comments here. Now, I did get into... a. Uh, some uh, some conversational jujitsu with uh with Dr. you do craig not wright. accept the existence of of a god a divine oh, prime mover and about uh her philosophy but let's get back to this now craig wright had some interesting points in regards to this now first of all we want to say the nap is not libertarian it was added by socialists in the 60s now i i no comment on that um, people that are familiar with the philosophy of the NAP, regardless of where it comes from, understand that it's just a simple, way, simple way of saying "do not initiate force or fraud." It's another system, just like natural law, that is based off of the idea of individual rights, that which is the basis of libertarian philosophy. Now, I don't know how Craig wants to define libertarianism, but that is the basis of libertarianism, ostensibly, as I define it as, as um, it was defined by. Uh, by luck, Of course, Locke used the philosophy of natural law, but natural law is essentially the same philosophy of the non-aggression principle. It's a, a way of arriving at the idea that it, it is wrong to violate the individual rights of others. So, look, anyone that understands libertarian philosophy realizes that the non-aggression principle and natural law are essentially the same thing. Now, I um, oh, had some other interesting points to make in regards to uh, my points on this. Uh uh, 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 okay. Now, um, I will mention, if some of the comments Craig made, like he did make, make some sailing points in regards to the line of where rights of individuals merge over to the rights of others. It's this, a lot of people don't understand that rights are always defined in the negative. People often conflate positive rights with negative rights. Rights are used to defend you, defend you from, defend your life and your liberty. A right would be your right to freedom of speech, your right to defend yourself. These are individual rights. I know these may seem like weird concepts to people because they're not familiar with the philosophy, but it's basically saying that you can do what you want provided you don't violate someone else's right to life. A lot of people, however, uh, within the uh, the modern world, like to add what you call positive rights to the picture. Add things like security, add things like healthcare, add things like the right to education. These are not rights. And of course they're going to contradict individual rights. If you say someone has a right to education and you have a system where you have, you're having uh, a, a taxed society, you're stealing money from individuals and you're using that money to find education, Obviously, that doesn't work because now what you're saying is it's all right for you to have a right to education, even though it's an infringing on someone else's right, because the government's had to steal money, violate the rights of an individual in order to give you what you want, the education. That's obviously conflicting. But when you have a situation where you're only dealing with individual rights, they're not contradictory. Now, having said that, um, you're going to get into disputes where people... uh, just due to the the subjective nature of human beings, uh, sometimes people have a a misunderstanding in regards to whether their rights have been violated. And sure, you can have private courts that dispute this. I mean, in a system of, whether it's a a libertarian state or a system of anarcho-capitalism, you can either use private courts, voluntary states, uh, to, to rule verdicts on whether or not there is some kind of violation of someone's natural right, just as you would have in a in a court system with the current system. So, I wanted to address that. Now, there were quite a lot of other uh, comments, uh, salient points that Craig raised. I know he made a comment in regards to dealing with pollution, which is a valid point. I mean, there... The, the fascinating thing about this entire philosophy is there are many, many ways to deal with it, but it just has to be on a voluntary basis. I mean, provided you set up a state where you agree that you are not going to, for instance, uh, use certain uh, certain forms of energy because they pollute the environment too much, that's fine, provided it's agreed upon voluntarily. And in regards to pollution, I mean, this is generally how it works within anarcho-capitalist society. Uh, society now provided let's say you're po- polluting the water supply obviously by you polluting the water supply within your your environment let's say your private property if that water is going to affect other people uh, that's for instance the, the 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 stream flows down into someone else's property then that is having a tangible uh, quantifiable effect on someone else's well-being in which case once again private courts The fact that you're infringing on someone else's right now, it has to be dealt with. Now, there are many other situations that, fundamentally, they're going to require uh, private arbitration. But the key thing to remember here is it's trying to resolve things voluntarily. People can do what they want, provided they are not violating the rights of others. And uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, this kind of... uh, this kind of goes to the heart of the cryptocurrency movement. One of the things that I've realized as of late is that whereas initially people had this idea that cryptocurrencies, and I'm speaking about Bitcoin here, were going to be a way of bringing about cens- censorship-resistant money, uh, decentralized systems of of cash, well, de- decentralized systems of trade, uh, but not not regulated by a central bank, I feel like this vision, the, the vision that was perpetuated by a lot of the, uh, the libertarians of, of getting a system that was removed from government, that was in line with agorism, is something that I'm not so confident we're going to see come to light now. I feel like, fundamentally, the majority will always rule. If the majority of society don't want to have a system where people aren't taxed, where people have control over their own money, where people are or have the privacy that they so much deserve, it'll never happen you 'll always have governments organizations that are, are that are supported by the the majority that are trying to infringe on other people 's rights and The more freedom that is created through technologies like Bitcoin and what have you, you 're still going to have people that are coming up with these technologies to to balance this uh... this power between freedom and and control so it's just something i wanted to talk about because one of the things i've noticed just just reading the comments is that most people it seems do want a government do want some kind of authority most people like the idea of control and as long as that is present regardless of what technology we're using i don't think we'll be able to arrive at freedom i've noticed that the same thing that happened to the, the Bitcoin community, so I'm talking about BTC. I know I use these words interchangeably, uh, Bitcoin referring to BTC and BCH, but um, for the purpose of this, uh, this podcast, let's, let's refer to Bitcoin in the way that most people understand. It, okay, so BTC, um, it went through a fork November last year, and obviously there's a lot of disagreement in regards to the direction of Bitcoin. And we're we're seeing a similar thing happen to BCH, where we have factions of the community that are wanting one idea and another faction that are not. And I, I've also found that there are factions of the, of the factions of the community that have this uh libertarianish idea of libertarianism, this idea of working with a state. And look, granted if the state was was created the current state as we have it was a voluntary state. It would be perfectly consistent. Let's say if people had consented, not, so, not through the social contract, but through voluntary means, actually agreed to live in this system and be, and wanted to be subject to the rule of the majority, that would be fine. But what I take issue with is the fact that it's not. I mean, to me, first and foremost, this entire movement to me was, was not about... I mean, it, yes, it, it's about sound money, but it's about freedom. It was a tool to bring about freedom. And unless, of course... That's what people truly want. I don't think it's what's truly going to happen. And uh, I-, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to end this uh, this podcast with, with a common argument I often hear by people in regard to the social contract. Because people use this to justify why the state as it is, is perfectly fine. And people have agreed to this social contract by simply living in this country. I think this beautifully illustrates the scenario. <laughs>
2: Oh, hello! I'm the state, and I'm here to inform you that your neighbors have voted that I now own your house. You see, by deciding to live here, you have implicitly agreed to the social contract, even though you never signed such a thing. And the social contract says that it's okay for your neighbors to vote to give me your house. So, I'm sorry, but I own your house now. But you know what? I'm a nice guy. I'm not going to kick you out. No. You just have to start paying me however much tax the neighbors and I decide to charge you for living in my house. And of course, you'll have to start following my house rules as well. Now, if you refuse, then I will regrettably be forced to have you arrested and imprisoned. But hey, I have some great news. If you don't like it, You can move.
0: (laughs) I'm sure we've all heard that at one point. And look, whereas I understand, there are going to be some people that find issues with this video and have a different understanding of libertarianism. When we are speaking about libertarianism, ostensibly, we're speaking about individual rights. We're speaking about the moral philosophy that talks about the universality of right and wrong, which is established through self-ownership. It's a it's it is an objective philosophy, and when I find there's so many people that lose sight of this, um, a lot of conservatives, you know, fall into this kind of thinking. A lot of libertarianish-minded people uh, t- want to make utilitarian. Now, now I understand that there are a lot of other components um, in regards to libertarianism, obviously the economical compo- component, but fundamentally this is what we're talking about, or at least this is what I am talking about. So. I wanted to leave it there. I really wanted to make that video because I feel, reading my comments, I realize there's a lot of um, of disagreement in regards to these terms, in regards to liberty. And I think the most important thing is to have clarity on definitions because this is the same issue we're finding with with Bitcoin at the moment. At the, at the moment, we have people that are obviously advocating for uh, Bitcoin based off of their obfuscated definition of it and others that are defining it based off of the white paper, the original white paper by... Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, one other thing I wanted to I wanted to bring up. I think it'd be crazy if I didn't bring this up now. In case you were not aware, in case you've been under a rock lately, uh, Elon Musk was on the Joe Rogan Experience. Let's see if I can bring up uh, some of the uh, interview here. I wanted to capture this this scene where uh, Elon Musk takes a whiff of some weed. This was, in my opinion, one of the most awesome interviews that has ever taken place in the history of podcasting i feel like it broke the internet uh the the actual podcast is on something like over 10 million views in the moment it's only been up for about three to four days and elon musk just dropped some powerful knowledge in regards to artificial intelligence in regards to just giving an insight into this genius mind that he has so yeah highly recommend checking out the podcast if you haven't done so I thought it was so you beautiful that Elon. No, ever. I used to have a watch. What happened? With
1: the... My my I phone didn't... tells the time. So. <laughs> Good
3: point. What if you lose your phone? Do you, are you wait? Hold on. True. Let me guess. You are a no case guy.
1: That's correct. Ooh. living on the edge. Living on the edge Neil without Neal a case. Neil deGrasse
3: Tyson. Neil Degrass Tyson was in here last week. I, I marveled at his ability to get through life without a case. That's right. You know, he takes his phone and he flips it in between his fingers. So like, let's like, get to the scene where Elon takes it, a pop like here. one, one blunt. This is magical. <laughs> one, but it seems <laughs> pretentious. You know, that's the idea behind it. I bought it when I was. Oh wait, wait. let's let's have a look.
1: Get oh, storage, store yeah. yeah. They have it in their hand.
3: They- Why does he take that with uh, there?
1: That's correct. Ooh tried one once. Come on,
3: man. You, know <laughs> you probably can't because stockholders, right?
0: Oh, this was so fascinating. So I mean, Elon's about to try some Gunja here. And not long after, <laughs> the price of Tesla went down by 6%, 7%. I mean, to me, it's crazy the fact that people are somehow going to be influenced by this. They somehow see a guy taking, one Gunja? And they immediately think this is somehow a sign of, of uh, like, a, a loss of faith it's just to me it's just so weird how there's this perception of people to take marijuana as being somehow dysfunctional. I mean, have a look at Joe Rogan for crying out loud. This guy is an absolute stud. I don't know I don't always agree with his opinions on things, but the guy is a high performing athlete he somehow manages to do a bazillion podcasts every year and uh do stand up comedy uh he's a uh, he's a commentator in the uh, Mixed Martial Arts UFC, and the guy loves his weed. But nonetheless, people have this
3: obfuscated perception of what weed does to you. It's legal, right? It's totally legal. Okay. How does that work? Do people get upset at you if you do certain things? Uh, There's tobacco and marijuana in there. That's all it is. the The combination of tobacco and marijuana is wonderful. First turned onto it by Charlie Murphy and then reignited by Dave Chappelle. There you go. <laughs> Plus whiskey. Ha uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Balances it out. I'm I mean, alcohol, alcohol is
0: that. a drug. It's been grandfathered in.
3: Well, it's not just a drug. It's a drug that gets a bad... It's f- just so fascinating to see this uh, this
0: titan of a figure. One of the most influential uh, people when it comes to paving the way for new technologies. Just chilling back and having a... a having some ganja with uh, with Joe Rogan. I mean, this guy's... One of the most fascinating things to come out of this podcast to me was listening to Elon Musk's, Elon Musk's idea of artificial intelligence. He truly believes that this thing is going to be a problem. He spoke about how he met up with Obama to try to put some restrictions just on the development of this, just in case. I mean, he truly believes it may be an issue where people start weaponize, weaponizing AI. And this whole... Terminate a scenario of artificial intelligence somehow taking control and causing some kind of crazy society where we're fighting against the robots is a possibility. I, I, I just want to say uh, I salute Elon Musk for what he does. I think he's one of the pioneers bringing about positive change in this world. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave it there. Hope you've enjoyed this, uh, this podcast. Let me know what you think. Be sure to drop some comments. I'm always happy to, to answer comments if you're polite. Uh, let me know your thoughts on liberty, on Elon Musk, on things you want me to talk about. And uh, until next time, peace out, keep it real, don't drive and text. Tell your mom, tell your friends. Signing out, Chris Shule. You know people in this life will always tell you what you can and what you cannot do can't let nobody put limitations on yourself. You gotta know that deep down inside, you got the will, you got the power, you got the fire. So if you wanna go, you gotta go like thunder. We've had the feet, you want the motion. Bring on the rain, needle, the no introduction. Have a moment, partner on that we man. Rise above it, you're working on that game, son. I'm about to school, you and I find her. I'm a to i you know I can't...